Hi, I'm John. And I'm Cecilia. And welcome to Crazy Cat Paranormal Speaks. In today's installment, we tackle the question we hear the most. How does the team approach an investigation? I think that's a very valid question. Every team approaches an investigation a little bit differently, but there are some very fundamental steps that have to be recognized. First up, and the most obvious, is finding a location. Doing a walkthrough is so important to know where the dangers lie, where the hot spots lie, where the rattlesnakes are hiding, uh, interviewing the people involved to get their experiences, actually conducting the investigation, and then putting the results together to see what you've captured. When you're first starting out, some of the easiest and best places to start for locations are public cemeteries. When we first started trying to capture evidence for social media, uh, we hit up a number of them right around us. Some were family plots, kind of buried in neighborhoods and parks that a lot of people that visit those places don't even know they exist. Yeah, a few of them were, were chained off with high chain link fences and things like that, and we had to investigate through the holes in the fence. One location that we haven't investigated yet, but is a potential uh, for us, is uh, I learned about it by talking to my neighbor. He said he and his wife had ridden a couple neighborhoods over on their bikes one day and discovered a family cemetery plot right in the middle of a fully developed subdivision. And when I went to investigate it online, uh, I could not find it in Google Maps. Uh, I, I went to that area and said search for cemeteries in this area and it did not show up. I ended up finding it through a newspaper article that featured the story behind it and the family and their family history and how uh, this exists in the middle of a neighborhood. Hands down though, the best way is through an invitation. You know, someone's having issues, shadows out of the corner of their eyes, things moving by themselves. Furbies with no batteries buried in the back of the closet, still chattering away, nonstop. When our girls were little, they had one of those demonic toys, and we took those batteries out, we threw those batteries away, we hid that dang thing in the back of the closet, we buried it under everything we could find to bury it under, and years later, it just started chattering away. We left that thing behind when we moved. I wouldn't be surprised if 15 years later, it's still chattering away. If you can't get out into public for the cemeteries and you haven't been invited anywhere or you're on worldwide lockdown like we are now, the most convenient place to investigate is your own home. You've got all your equipment here. You can go anywhere. You're not trespassing. You know where all the pitfalls are. In our case, in the woodpile where the rattlesnakes live. We know all, all the holes and everything else stumbling around in the dark. And we've caught some pretty interesting things very intriguing things recently yep. investigating our own house right here on our own property yes. um and we posted a lot of those so if you want to see them they're out there yeah they're under the category of shorts on the youtube channel if you want to go out and check those out but that's a good place to start if you can't get out of your house if there's not a cemetery nearby or a public place that you can go investigate and right now you just don't have anybody asking you to come out or anybody to ask if you can come out, doing your home is a great starting point. And you might want to know what you find. We would love to know what you find. Go ahead and investigate your house. Break out a, a digital recording device. Break out a camera. Take some pictures. And let us know what you find in your own house. The next step after finding a location is where we kind of differ from most other investigative groups. I prefer to do 
a, a small walkthrough before I talk to the owners or the people being affected. When I go through the walkthrough, I try to get a sense of what's waiting for us, what's out there, uh, find my own hot spots, and I take those notes down and I'll compare them during the interview later. But I would prefer to do the walkthrough alone before I talk to anybody. I'm about one tenth of as sensitive as Cecilia is, so um, I try, and occasionally I might pick something up at a very low level compared to a true sensitive. Uh, sometimes I don't pick up anything at all, but that's okay. I have other purposes. I don't know if I'd call myself a, a sensitive or a true sensitive. I just know that when I go into certain places, I get very affected. Isn't that what being a sensitive is? <laughs> Some people call me insensitive, so I don't know. So yeah, when New York know? comes out, when we went to the Haunted Museum, I was very much affected there. I, I actually picked up a couple of things there which tells me it must have been pretty strong for me to pick it up at all. But uh, Cecilia was definitely affected in several areas uh, very profoundly. Yeah, it took me days to come down off of that. That was that was something else. But I like to do the walkthrough without any kind of interference, any kind of preconceived notions or prejudice from the interviews with the owners. Because a lot of times, and we've seen this when we've had people out on investigations with us, a lot of times... As somebody who is maybe sensitive, how about that? Maybe sensitive, occasionally sensitive, I might feel or see things, and if I say them out loud, somebody else will suddenly start seeing it. It's just, it's just kind of how the mind works, right? So I don't want to be prejudiced by what these people are feeling or what they're thinking or, or how they're perceiving it. I want to have my own perceptions. Or having them led by what you've already shared with them. Well, yeah. Yeah, we we did an investigation recently, and the best thing that happened was, as we pulled up, I I got like bombarded with uh, sensory input. I guess it's the right way to say it. Can you say sensory input? Sensory input. I knew, I knew what we were walking into. I knew where we were walking, where we needed to be. Uh, I had a sense of you know good or bad because sometimes entities just want to talk, or they just want to be left alone. And I was able to pick all of that up when we got to the property before we talked to the owner. And we were able to validate with the owner what they were seeing just from what we had already experienced before we even met with them. And where they were seeing it. Yeah, what and areas. where they were seeing it. There was an instance of where there was a small boy behind a building. And nobody had mentioned that to us. But I, had, I saw him. And I actually brought it up, and they were like, oh, we didn't tell you about him? And I was like, no, no, you did not. Uh, no, you didn't. You, you failed to mention that one. So it was nice to be able to give them that little bit of validation that, yes, what they thought they saw is actually what they saw. So I like to do that walkthrough uh, before we even settle down to do the interviews. So you found the perfect location, or you were invited to come and see the perfect location, and you've done your initial walkthrough. Now it's time to sit down and do one of the most important steps, and that is interviewing your client, interviewing the homeowner, the business owner, the property owner, the eyewitnesses. And why is that important? The terrorized employees. The terrorized, oh my gosh, yes, the terrorized employees. <laughs> Are we allowed to name names? No. <laughs> I think in the interest of uh, anonymity, we should not do that. Well, that's a shame because if you've never seen a a grown man be terrorized in his own working environment it's an interesting thing to see 
but they actually have greater insight into what's going on than you can just gather from the walkthrough. And most of the time they don't even realize how much they know or how much they've seen until they sit down and start telling their story. Some of our techniques for interviewing clients, we ask direct questions. And we'll start by putting them at ease the best that we can. We'll ask them a little bit about themselves. We'll ask them a little bit about hobbies. Uh, we were at a place recently where one of the children had a dance recital. So we talked about that a little bit just to get them comfortable with having all the cameras around and the equipment around and the weird space shuttle looking things that we have and just all sorts of silliness that goes along with us tinkering. And then we'll ask them to tell us their story. And you really listen to their story and watch how they react. And you, you can learn a lot from that. And it's very important not to lead them. Uh, it, it's difficult for me not to jump in. Uh, Cecilia pretty much does the uh, conducts the interviews themselves while I do the technical stuff with the cameras and microphones and recorders. But sometimes I find myself wanting to blurt out a question or something like that that leads them. And I have to really stop myself. I like how he, he says that uh, while well, he's busy with all the technical stuff, the reality is he takes the introverted person in this duo, in this trio when Carmen's with us, and says, here, you go mingle with people, which is one of the hardest things for me to do while well, he sits in the background futzing with the cameras and snickering at my awkwardness. And it, you learn a lot from the stories, like I said. But it's not just sitting there listening. I mean, that's a big part. It's a, a huge part is listening to what they're saying and reading between the lines. But you also need to know the right questions to ask. Because they're telling you a story and their minds go in a mile a minute. And they may be here and there and, and over there and over there. And it's hard to get a full picture that way. If you've ever tried to have a six-year-old tell you a story. You would understand somebody really excited about a paranormal experience that they had trying to relay their story to you. So you, you need to be able to keep control of the situation without leading them. Some sample questions that you can ask. Can you show me where you saw this? And simple things like, okay, so you said you saw this by this window. Can you tell me again what you saw? while we're standing by the window. All right, and it helps jog their memory, it helps keep them focused, and it develops a rapport with the customer, the client, the homeowner, makes them at ease, and you're gonna get a lot more information that way. So we've talked a little bit and done a high-level overview of the basics of starting an investigation. Next time around, we're gonna jump into actually how we conduct the investigation itself. The interviews are done, the walkthroughs are done, we have an idea of what equipment we need, where we need to set things up. We do things a little bit different than a few other paranormal groups and most other paranormal groups, pretty much. Probably so. So we're going to invite a couple of other paranormal groups to come on and have a discussion about the different techniques for actually doing an investigation, uh, different mindsets for doing an investigation kind of precautions that you should take before you start, things you need to look out for, uh, how to determine where on a piece of property or in a house you want to go. If you have questions, let us know. We're, you can find us very easily on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. And thanks so much for being with us today. We hope you'll join us for our next installment, The Actual Investigation. 
I've already told him about that. No, you didn't. I told him about like two seconds ago. I didn't hear you. We did. I talked about it, and we talked about the interviews and everything else. Is that what we've been talking about? That's what we've been talking about. I thought we were talking about investigations. Well, you were mistaken.